Hi, and welcome to Same Boat Huddle. I am your host, Erin Miller. This is a podcast for any woman who is feeling stressed, overwhelmed, uh, drowning in motherhood and your to-dos and feeling like you need a space to um, be in a place where there are women who are going through the same things uh, and a space especially to learn and recognize that it does not have to be that way and that you're not alone, that you're validated in how you're feeling and that we have each other and uh, we're all going through it together and can support one another uh, to get through this uh, with tools that we can share with one another Uh, and understand that we can live a life of ease and happiness and joy, even in the thick of our to-dos in mommyhood. So today, uh, you know, I was was sitting eating lunch earlier today, and something that's been on my mind lately is how people interact, I guess is the best way to say it. And I'll quick side note here that I am risking recording this with a five-year-old, three-year-old in the house and an antsy two-year-old setter. So we'll see how this goes. (laughs) This is real life. Okay. So I've been very fascinated with how people interact lately from through my time in a school building of watching, um, children as they were behaving and, uh, how it looked different from when I felt I was a kid and how, um, adults are interacting with one another through, uh, all settings from social media, uh, to interactive relationships in person to at the workplace, all of that kind of stuff. And I've been honestly, like I've been taken aback and, and perplexed really. And just kind of like, you know, that emoji with the, with the, uh, like the spyglass on his eyes or like the finger on his chin. That's me. <laughs> I'm like, huh? this is really perplexing. Let's look at this a little further of trying to understand, um, the interactions that are happening. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of like, if you're mad at me, I'm mad at you. I see a lot of pettiness and, um, trying to be right. And, uh, just a a lack of all of those like cardinal rules in which many of us have been raised. And it makes me wonder, like, are they lost completely? Are, are these things that, we just no longer have. Is it going to continue that way? Is this something we're going to get back? And, uh, I've, I've found myself really implementing a lot of what my parents taught me into my children. And I feel like it's just not mainstream anymore. So I don't, I'm totally open to conversation to know, like, is this something I'm going to be 35. So I'm in that like weird micro generation, whatever it's called. I'm not a millennial and I'm not generation X. So somewhere in between. So anyone else who's like on either side or the same age as me who is seeing these trends, I'd love to know if you feel like it's, this is just where we are and this is how we're viewing it because we're at this point in our life. Or is this something that is shifting in our society or what's happening? And like, I just worry about our kids growing up because I, so, so little examples table manners. And I'm going to just flat out say like, we try and implement table manners with our kids, but not to the extent that I was, uh, told to behave at a table, like no elbows on the table, both feet on the floor, napkin on your lap. You use your utensils this way. These are which utensils you use when no cap at the table. I mean, strict table rules, strict, no slouching. You have to ask to be excused. 
you don't scrape your plate. I mean, oh, like strict rules. And I find that like, we just, I don't, I don't, I mean, I sit on my feet at the table. I put my elbow on the table now and I've, I've started to recognize these things. I'm like, wait, I, this is character to teach a child to understand what's appropriate at the, at the table. And I'm now trying to implement some of these things with my kids. So in all of this thinking, I've also, um, realized today is my parents' 27th wedding anniversary. And in thinking about that, I then began to think about like how they raised me. So I, I thought it would be super fun to share at least the top 10 ways that my parents raised us. I'm one of four of three brothers. Yes. You can feel sorry for me or think that I was raised really awesome for being the only girl who knows. Uh, but I thought it would be really cool to share 10 of the things that my parents implemented into raising four children that I feel like are cardinal rules. There are golden rules and are, I find that I've been implementing into parenting, um, my children with my husband and with my relationship with my husband. Cause I truly feel like that's a huge piece of how you raise your children. Um, if you are married and I am a child of divorce, these are my my parents are my mom and my um, stepdad that I'm referring to. So these are things that I hope, uh, we can continue to implement and give to our children so that if it has been lost again, curious to know what the conversation is here. If these are pieces that have been lost, I'm curious to know if, if there's a way to shift back to get some of this back, because I feel like perhaps it's part of what's happening with our society with violence and all the stuff that I'm not going to even mention because it's not, not a part of my field right now. So, all right. Number one, never keep secrets from each other. Oh, and I should also mention this is in no particular order. (laughs) So my mom and stepdad truly live a marriage of not holding secrets from one another. They tell each other everything. And as children, we knew that. So there was no like, can you buy this for me and not tell mom? Or can you buy this for me and not tell John? And, um, to know that anything that we were going through, we would go through as a unit that they, they truly functioned as a unit. There was no separation between them. Yes. They were their own individual people and led their own businesses and have their own very different personalities. But as as a marriage, as a unit, they were the foundation of the family and, um, truly held that and continue to. And I think it, um, is such a powerful lesson that they've taught at least me and hopefully my brothers too, um, that I've brought into my marriage, that there's completely open communication. Uh, there's never been, um, I've kept this from you, even if it's something small or like, I didn't want to talk to you about it, or, um, I was too scared to tell you not, there's just complete open communication. And I think it builds amazing trust between a couple and ultimately, um, really creates a difference for the family function. Number two, always date and have a crush on one another. So this is something to this day, they go on a date at least once a week, even if it's something super simple, like typically, and most often they just go to, uh, like the local bar and, um, grab a drink and neighbors are there and (laughs) 
you know, have something super light and easy for dinner and inexpensive and, um, just keep it easy. And then as children with four kids, honestly, I don't know that I remember a ton of sitters. I don't know, mom and John, maybe you can remind me, (laughs) but most of their dates that I remember is that they would take time at least once a week to have dinner by themselves. Um, and a nice dinner, like candles lit, lobster tail once in a while, or maybe like once. And that's the one time I remember. (laughs) Um, but they would actually sit and have a really nice quiet dinner. We knew not to bother them that that, like there's no going into the dining room, mom and John are on their date. Um, so I think that's something really awesome that they've displayed for us, how important it is to, um, really put in efforts into your relationship and to feed it and, um, always find new ways to be excited about each other and have crushes and, um, just spend time together, especially as you're raising a family. It's so easy to be ships passing in the night, just even within the house that it's amazing to create that space for one another to connect. Number three, family dinners. I was raised in a house that, uh, every single night, we ate dinner as a family, all six of us in the early years, <laughs> we had six of us. We, I mean, gosh, times have changed. We had this itty bitty round table that had four like wicker seated chair. Like you'd sit in it and like more of it would break. <laughs> like who has the bad chair tonight? And then two people or what? Well, I don't, gosh, I don't even remember would bring a stool or like another chair from another room in to like to squeeze in around this tiny table. And we would all just huddle together, sitting around eating dinner. Cause that was the rule that you ate dinner together with really strict table manners. And you asked to be excused when you were done. And there was one dinner made and we all ate the same thing. Uh, even if there was complaining, it was nipped in the bud and you don't eat it, then you're, you just go hungry. So, um, and then Sunday always ate dinner at the dining room table. So Sunday was for church and, uh, eating at the dining room with, you know, the fine China and all of that stuff. So while it's something to like laugh about, and I'm sure there were times of like eye rolling between any of us, Um, gosh, what an amazing thing to do as a family. And I know this is something that I think a lot of people still try and do. And I know that it's still out there and discussed and studied of how important it is to have family dinner and like no devices and all of that. So while we are, you know, in the beginning stages of our family with a five and a half and three year old, um, we, we always eat our meals together and at least, um, try to, my husband and I do take time to eat dinner alone a lot so that we have our time together. Um, but no matter what, we're always sitting down together to eat. So, um, gosh, what a cool thing to do, especially in this day and age, just to make that space and have that time together. Number four, to have religion, structure, and morals. So I know that, within my generation, at least, um, you know, there's definitely, I know there's a lot of my peers who do go to church regularly. And I think what's more popular is, um, the like non-denominational churches I feel are what is most 
popular for my generation if they go to church regularly as opposed to when I was growing up it was like you're either Catholic Lutheran Presbyterian Baptist like um you know some extension of that and I'm not going to get into that whole conversation but that regardless when I was growing up I feel like every family went to you know it's not a blanket statement but more than not people were going to church on Sunday mornings uh, and I will even say I've not been great about getting my kids to church on Sunday mornings. Um, a lot of that, my story and my excuse has been my work schedule. Um, and I've lately tried to take, um, be very aware of taking my Sundays off to be sure that I have that time with my family. Um, so it's something that is, uh, something I'm working on. I do send my kids to Catholic school. We have strong discussions about God and religion and have our kid Bibles and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it is super important to have religion and or spirituality and the end slash or in that sentence is also one of those things that is a whole different podcast discussion and probably something that I'll talk about at some point. Um, so outside of the religion piece of this, what I also have in this is structure and morals. And this is something my mom and I discuss a lot within the religion that we both feel that what it offers is such a foundation of family structure, structure in schedules. And, uh, it's just such a, it's a concrete foundation to have something like that and offers morals that I are so fluid anymore. I feel in today's society that there's just a morale within that concrete foundation that creates, um, the core of something that's really amazing. And, you know, I'm not going to get into a full discussion about this. Um, but I know that there are a lot of people who feel like, you know, forcing your kids to go to church, uh, or that, you know, people are go to church every Sunday, but then act this way. And, you know, there, there's, there's truly a huge discussion about that. And this is not an end all be all kind of statement, but, uh, what I feel in it is that with my parents' choice to raise us, um, in the Catholic faith, it was a very honest way to raise us. So while we can have our debates about how other people choose to go to mass or live in Catholicism or other religions, we were raised in a way of having very close relationships with our priests and still do, um, they've been a part of our family. They're our church family and have proven to be, um, good and honest and faithful and, um, providing a really good foundation in that way. So again, I know there could be a rebuttal to this with things that are going on, um, that are presented in the media or, um, any of that, but I'm going to sit here and say that this is a huge reason why I am the way I am. And depending on who you ask, I think it's good. (laughs) I'm going to move on to number five, work hard. Uh, my parents have instilled an incredible work ethic in us that they, through modeling their work ethic, um, they've always been very hard workers. My stepdad owns his own business and, um, it's not always easy. And anyone who owns their own business knows the ups and downs ups and downs and ebbs and flows, um, with income and work and, um, the type of work and motivation and all of that stuff. And he, um, 
he has always kept on going and has always been honest in his work and has always done the best he can. Uh, and my mom as well, um, going back to work to be sure that we had enough to do our extracurricular activities and clothes and, um, you know, how important it is to, to, to work hard and it's not easy. And there are days you don't want to do it and you feel bitter about it, or I should be making more. I wish I had this job or whatever, you know, I shouldn't have to work this many hours. And, um, you know, while I have a strong belief in following your passions and, uh, and, not hustling and not burning out. There's, there's a work ethic that is so important. The, the ambition and the drive and understanding that it takes small steps to move forward and to get to where you need to go, that you can't take one giant step and be done and and be done and wipe your hands of it, that it takes, it takes constant action. It takes consistency and a drive and keeping your head up and to feel yourself and, keep going. So they, they have a tremendous work ethic. Um, number six, treat others the way you want to be treated. This is seriously my golden rule. I like in every conversation, I feel like I can say this If I'm talking to someone about something that's going on in their work situation, or if I'm telling my kids how to play at the playground, or I'm reading something in a forum on Facebook, I, I shrug my shoulders and say, treat others the way you want to be treated. Like it's not, it is that hard actually. And I think that's why people don't do it because it's, it's a piece of having to be the bigger person, you know, my kids are giggling. At least they're not screaming at each other. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know what else I can say to that except like, just go out there and treat others. Like just treat people the way you want to be treated, whether they're treating you that way or not. And that's where I think we get stuck that it's like, well, they didn't treat me the way I wanted to be treated. So now I don't have to do it. So no, that's not how it works. Like you have to live with love and compassion, no matter how others are, are around you, that it doesn't entitle you to not be kind. Like what gives you the right to not be kind? Nothing. It's just your own choice. It's coming from a bad place. And, you know, and it's not to say that we are this, this like straight line of perfection and I'm always kind and never have a blip. No, that's not what it is. It's the intention is to just always be kind and always treat others the way you want to be treated. And when you have moments that you don't, you recognize it and be like, wow, I need to go apologize or, you know, recognize that this is what I did and chose to do. And now I'm going to take a step back, recognize what I did. And I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to continue to move forward in a kind, compassionate way. I feel like that's just not there anymore. And I try to, it's hard because I don't think it's innate. I don't know if it's a survival mechanism or what, but it just doesn't seem to be innate. And, uh, it's hard to teach it. It it takes constant, consistent parenting to teach that to children. So number seven, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, like, I mean, Facebook would be super boring if everyone followed this rule, wouldn't it? There'd be nothing to read. <laughs> it's, it's not that hard. I know it's hard to bite your tongue at times, but it's just so important to find that space of it. 
you know, it's not treating people the way you want to be treated. And you can, like, if you need to talk about it, go journal or have one of those, like, one-on-one conversations with yourself in the shower to vent it out or whatever. It's just, it's not worth being, you never, just the judgment and not ever knowing what someone's going through, whether you're saying something unkind about how they're behaving at work or how they look or what their weight is or how they choose to parent or whatever it is. Um, Just if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I actually had to stop this recording because my kids are playing with slime and making fart sounds. And that's why they're laughing so hard. (laughs) All right. Number eight, sleep fixes everything. So this is something that my mom taught me from as far back as I can remember. And like any situation I was in that I was stressed and overwhelmed, uh, she would tell me to go to sleep and not in a way of like, don't deal with it and just go numb out and stay in your room forever. But it, when, you know, when you're reaching that point of exhaustion of like studying for a test, um, and it's getting too late and you're, you're unable to regulate and, or if you're dealing with a conflict with someone and starting, you know, when you just get um, so exhausted that you like can't think straight. And, um, (laughs) my kids, I love them so much. (laughs) Um, just when you get to that point of, of you need to kind of reset and address your survival needs of sleeping, eating, getting in water, and then you can address everything else. Like if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to to take care of whatever else is in front of you, whether it's studying for a test or, um, cleaning the house or even parenting. Like we, you have to like reset and address your needs and then get back in there and nothing else can happen if you're not taking care of yourself. So this is like, this is a rule that I, I've actually been hearing myself say to my daughter a lot lately of, sleep will fix it. You know, if you, if you don't feel well, sleep will fix it. If you have uh, a boo-boo, sleep will fix it. And it's not a lie. It will, you know, if you're, if I'm having extra back pain, I know I need to get more sleep. If, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm burned out from working too much in a day, it's, it's, it's time to go take a nap, you know? So you have my permission to go take a nap. Don't numb out. Don't ignore the stuff you need to do in your life. Don't oversleep, but go take a nap you know, number nine, clean and respect your house. We were raised, um, with chore cards. So I don't know if I shared the ages of my brothers. So there, there are four of us. Uh, there, there's my brother who's 21 months older than me. My stepbrother who is, um, third, 14 months older than me. Is that right? Um, there's me and then my, my, uh, my youngest brother who is four and a half years younger than me. So, um, during the times that my older brothers and I were teenagers, we had these chore cards and it, we cycled, there was chore card A, B and C and C was the easy one. It was the basement. All you had to do was like vacuum and dust and A stunk because you had to clean like all the bathrooms. So <laughs> I still remember, I remember the writing. I remember the cards they were on. And our names were on the back, so you knew who was up next. And um, without fail, every single Saturday morning, we had to do our chores and take care of our house, take care of our stuff, and 
to um, have respect and responsibility for everything around us. Uh, so anything from, oh, we were taught, we were taught to do laundry, um, starting in fourth grade. It was, here's the washer, here's the dryer, here's how it works. Um, and if you didn't have clothes to wear, that was on you. That was your responsibility. And, um, as a nine and 10 year old, you're fully capable to carry a load of clothes down to a washer, clean your clothes and put them in a dryer and fold them. 10 years old, you're absolutely old enough to do that. And, uh, you know, while, while you want to be a kid and not have any responsibilities, having those responsibilities, I feel is what, I mean, isn't that the point of parenting is that you're trying to teach children to become responsible, independent, successful adults who can contribute to society, right? So you have 18 years to do that, which feels like a lot, but as all of us know, it goes super fast and pulls at your heart and breaks it in half. (laughs) Um, And it's, that's why, that's what we're supposed to do is to teach them all of these things. So while it's hard, um, as a, as a kid and you want to, it's, you you get grumpy and like fight back a little bit. It's, I mean, what, what a powerful lesson to be taught as, as a child, Um, so yes. All right. Number 10 is to be honest. This is, I feel just incorporated with everything else, how important it is to just be an honest person. And it's super hard because honesty and truth is very hard to live in sometimes because it's not always what is expected or what is um, even acceptable or, uh, what, what feels easy sometimes. And oftentimes there's discomfort in honesty and truth. And, uh, so it, it is hard to do. And, and I feel like that's why so many people are dishonest is that in the moment it's easier to lie. It's easier to be dishonest, um, and to avoid confrontation and not be, a part of any of it. And, um, then you live with a burden and discomfort still. So like either way you're, you're finding discomfort and, uh, you can be so much more aligned and peaceful in your life. If you just constantly come back to your truth and honesty, whether it's, um, I can't go to the movies tonight because I, I just, I'm not up for it instead of lying and saying like you, forgot to wash your hair, you know, just be honest. And yes, there are white lies, um, which is a a different discussion, I suppose, but you know, just be honest that, you know, I had some tough times in, in my counseling position where there were situations with children and parents that, um, I understood where they were coming from and I'm not going to use, um, specifics of the example, but, and while it would have been easy to sit and agree with, the parents for the, for the sake of avoiding the confrontation with administration and all of that, I sat in my honest truth, my educated, honest truth that I am sorry, but I disagree with what you're saying because of this information. However, I'm holding space for how you feel and, um, how you're seeing this situation. So, uh, it's hard. It's, it's very uncomfortable to be honest, but it's so powerful And you are such a a good 
human being to find that honesty and give that honesty um, because everyone deserves it yourself and the other people. So um, those are my top 10 ways that my parents raised me and no one is perfect. I'm certainly not as a parent and um, you know, while there's no perfect way to raise a kid or upbringing, I have to say my parents did a really good job. So thank you, mom and John. Uh, for raising four children who are um, authentic, successful, honest, loving, sensitive human beings um, who are imperfect, perfectly imperfect, you know. You guys did an awesome job in your 27 years so far. Um, I love you guys a ton, and thank you for always supporting me and building character in me instilling it and creating, um, the room for me to carry on into my children, the, the character and the core values that you've given me, I'm able to give to two more people to go out into this world, um, and, and continue that legacy. So happy anniversary. I love you guys. And to my listeners, I can't even tell you how excited I am for you to be here and listening. And, uh, my challenge for you this week is any of those top 10 that may have hit you in the gut for whatever reason, whether maybe there's something you're not being honest about with another person or yourself, or, um, you know, maybe you've been thinking about going back to church or starting to go to church, or, uh, maybe you've been holding a secret from your spouse or realized you haven't gone on a date in a while, or, um, maybe you've been engaging in some, social media stuff that's super easy to get involved in. And I have too, of course, um, that doesn't feel so good. Any of those things, why don't you pick one of those things and, um, implement what I talked about. So whether it's, um, don't say anything if you have nothing nice to say, or if don't, what is it guys? <laughs> if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all whether it's that, or maybe you want to schedule a date night with your hubby or, um, whatever it is. That's what I want you to go and do this week. And, uh, anyone who has anything that they want to discuss or continue conversation, I always love hearing from people. My email is Aaron at ejoicephotography.com. And if you're listening and love what, um, we are talking about here, I would love to invite you to my free Facebook community, social, um, I'm sorry. It is facebook.com slash groups slash same boat huddle, same title as the podcast. I would love to have you there. Um, and also feel free to check out my website, ejoicephotography.com. Um, I am on Instagram as at photog Aaron J. So would love to hear from you. Thank you for being here. Uh, and again, happy 27th anniversary to my awesome parents. I love you. And I will talk to you all soon. Have an awesome week. Take care.